The following program is intended for mature audiences. You're listening to Bottom Shelf Recording Talk. Sounds boring. Oh my, yeah. With your hosts, James Seabrook. Okay, you were paying attention, but the idea is clear in my head, but translating it into English is not. That's brutal. I understand the hypocrisy. And Joey Roach. I don't even know what you do. I was just told you were the man. Some people would say I'm overconfident. That could be my ego talking, though. I'm trying to think of the right word. Oh. Yeah. Must be a tough word. Next subject. Uh, you're bored with this one? You don't hear us gassing on about it. Keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. By the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, you have a big mouth. Here's a good idea. What are you even talking about? Have a point. Why are you airing personal matters with complete strangers? It makes it so much more interesting okay. for the listener. Is that just to make sure that it's the same time every time? So the, yeah, exactly. So the yeah. whole thing is live. Like, we're actually live right now. Right. Um, not live to radio, because... Yeah. We're, we're, we're actually... We're actually... Joey and I are going to talk about that eventually, where we'll actually be live on the radio. Because mm-hmm. uh, we... This oh. stream's on, on well. gradio.ca. I don't know. This is news to me. (laughs) (laughs) I figured what better time to introduce it to you than while we're, you know, put you on the spot. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, because we do do a Sunday night session here out of the studio that broadcasts live um, on the same internet radio station. Yeah, with Gorilla Um, Radio. I know Jeff. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then um, then, uh, that gets rebroadcast officially tonight which will be tomorrow night for us standing in the room, but tonight for those of you listening, um, the rebroadcast starts at 8 p.m. Tuesday nights, mm-hmm. which is right after this show uh, is done on Tuesday nights because okay. we broadcast at 7, blah, blah, blah. Those of you listening will already know that it's after 7 o'clock. And... Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, but that, blo- that that does the live thing, and and Jeff ha- Jeff is... Already has already has four other shows throughout the week that are doing it live, um, and and I thought that you know that'd be a great that'd be a great reason for Joey and I to to just make it fixed in our schedules. Like it's this time every week. Well, it kind of has been, kind of has been, yeah. Um, it's gonna be weird doing it at night though. Well, but that's the thing is is I was I was actually thinking we'd change it to a morning because I much prefer doing this in the morning. As do I. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, me too, but I have a job in the morning. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Oops. And, and most of the time, most of the time when we have guests, we just reschedule to a, to a Monday night and, and not a big deal. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Although usually the Monday night session, the, the Monday night sessions with guests, Joey sits over there and sleeps because he has no more coffee in him. Uh, and he doesn't want to have any more coffee. Well, it's more if I have coffee at night, I'm awake all night. So I purposely yeah. don't have coffee at night. So I have tea today. Oh, nice. Although it's probably almost done. Nice. I want to apologize, Tom, for not having coffee. Because usually I have coffee brewing, but I'm actually out of coffee. Oh, really? I just, I uh, I actually, I'm, okay. I don't want to say snob. Because I'm, I'm. You're a coffee snob? I'm not. Yeah. You're a coffee snob. Right. I, I subscribe to the Roasters Pack. Um, they're a little company out of Toronto there. Yeah. And I just got my delivery today. It's nice. really exciting. Nice, like, nice. Yeah, new coffee. My wife is a is a coffee snob. She's she's Colombian, and she definitely has a threshold for what is good enough or what gets sent to the studio with James. Because <laughs> I all coffee tastes bad to me, right? But I like the feeling of coffee, <laughs> i.e., the caffeine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I recently even discovered um, these chocolates 
at Shoppers Drug Mart. That, that are, are covered uh, or have coffee beans inside. Is that what they are? I, I, well, yeah, it, yeah, there's these uh, ones are chocolate covered coffee beans. I don't like that, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, so you have yeah. like one or two beans and you're just I love jittering. It. I love it. I think I'm going to. I'm ready to drive be, to the East Coast. I'm going to restart my addiction. This will be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Excellent. Um, so we have, we have a night of interesting stories I can tell already based on the conversations we've already had and, and we've had to cut so that we can save them for the podcast. Um, we, but we have to get through the, the introductions first. Right. Which is our weak spot. We made the intro because we never remember to introduce ourselves. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. But you are Tom. Yep, that's me. That's my name. And your band name, the record that you just finished making, it was EP record? Um, we, we actually, we just did two songs. Two songs, okay. Um, I think we can call that an EP. I guess. Yeah, yeah. we're going to put it on some splits and that sort of a thing, so. Cool. Yeah. Um, the band is called... Tomb, Tomb and the Dead Language. And the Dead Language. Yes. Now, is that because your last name starts with B? Yes. Is that, that's how you guys came about that? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I've, I've been going by the moniker Tomb for years now. It's actually kind of funny because in, in school, they always used to make you do your first name and then your last initial. That's right. just how everybody fills out their name. And I didn't realize until we had, like, I think it was a substitute teacher that you know, ESL, not their fault or anything like that, but they're going through and handing back assignments or whatever. And they're like, uh, tomb. And I'm like, Oh, I've been a badass this whole time. And I didn't, didn't even know. know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I've been kind of running with that for, cool. for a while. And then we're like, well, what are we going to call the band? Well, we don't want to call it tomb. Cause that just makes it a solo project. And I'm, really big into Elvis Costello and the attractions. So it's like, right. and the dead language that just kind of came out of Raph, the drummer, he's from Poland. So he's ESL. So there's the language element. Plus James, his last name is Latin. Mm. So it's dead language. So it's kind of, <laughs> it refers to all of us a little bit. Nice. Cool. Um, now you have two songs. Yes. Uh, you recorded yourself. Yes. And that's the reason we're having you on the podcast. We want to dive into that. Um, how did the band start? Um, the band, the band kind of started basically I, I, uh, I, I did a solo EP of my own kind of, I just recorded it all in four days and I put it out there and I was like, I'm done with this. And then I set it aside. And then the other band that I was in, um, it fizzled out just, you know, personal shit before we can even get it off the ground, that sort of thing. And then, so James was in the band. I work with Raph. He's one of my coworkers. And I'm just like, hey guys, you want to jam? And they're like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, learn these songs. And we were for like two or three months jamming on those songs, which, which I always take the, a moment to brag that everybody really loves those songs, but they didn't because they're like just kind of straight ahead punk rock. Okay. So it's not that much fun to play. Unless right. you're like playing it super fast and playing it live and you don't really know it and that sort of, you, you know how punk rock is yeah. like, it's not, it's not fun to sit there and learn. So, so I was just like, we were getting kind of frustrated. I'm like, okay, here we go. And I wrote it and I just was like, I'm going to write a song. And I was listening to a lot of Poison in the Well at the time. And I was like, this is kind of what I wanted to come out like. And I just wrote the riffs and I wrote the song. And I'm like, okay, guys, here's the riffs. And in one jam, we, and I was like, God, I feel like I'm in 
a band that I really want to be in right now. And so it's, it's just kind of evolved from there. Nice. That's an awesome feeling. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so you guys are, is it just the three of you? It's just a three piece. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know why based on the video, I assumed it was a five piece. Really? But that's probably cause the video is super weird. Yeah. And, and it, it was, it was hard to get any single shot. Like, I don't think there was a single shot of more than two guys at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause yeah, just, just to kind of explain the video for those of you that will listen to this and, and check we'll, it out, we'll put a link in the show notes to, <laughs> to make sure people can go and find it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Basically, um, the inspiration for that, I, I, uh, you guys, everybody remembers the wedge, right? The, On much what? music, the wedge. It was uh, there, so they like late at night. I haven't listened to much music in probably twelve to fifteen years, which is probably so. the last time they showed the show. All right, right. All right. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> Basically, they had these two late night shows for like more of your alternative and underground. They had much loud and much the wedge. Okay, and the wedge is where you get like you get Radiohead and mm. Final Fantasy and like all those weird indie rock stuff right. and at the time I didn't get it but there was this one music video that I watched that really like it changed my it changed my entire existence because I was like you can do that that's amazing <laughs> basically what they did is this there's this bit this band um and if you're listening to this and you know this video please tell me who it is so I can remember basically what they did is you you remember those like little mini tape camcorders that you used to be able to get they took one of those and they set it up and they were going on tour and they were in Alberta and they were in the Badlands. And there was this little spot where these two kind of mountains, hills kind of met together. And they walked about 50 feet away from the camera and they set it up. And then they ran towards the camera and then they took it in post and they slowed it in slow motion of them running towards the camera for the length of the song. And I was like, that's so simple. That's so stupid. But it's a great video because it's just so you can't stop watching it because you're just going to think like, oh, when's somebody going to fall? When's this going to? So I was like, I kind of wanted to do something like that. That makes me think of another music video that I know of where the band actually documents that they got a check for five grand to film a music video. Oh, yeah. Really? And they document everything that they bought in the music video. The Cheetos like, and everything like that. Yeah, no, that's a good yeah, video. Uh, weed, gallons of milk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, a car that they then soup up to crash into a wall of milk. Yeah. that's uh, That was Red Fang, right? Uh, yeah, that's the band, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a good video. They're great at videos. I, lo I love those guys. And it's always like for them too, it's like it's always such a unique thing conceptually. Mm. But it comes off so well thought out. Like, like they took the time to think about it and go like, okay, how can we really just make this hit? And they always do. And that's kind of always what I'm looking for. Never works every time, but that's, you know, you just got to keep trying at it. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that's the beauty of the experimentation process, right? Is, is for every half dozen failures, there's that one that is just great. Yeah, absolutely. You know, or, or, or there's even, there's even that one that you didn't see coming and you're like, I can work with that. Yeah. I can, I can, I can twist this and I can turn here and, and I can jump over that and, and this is going to be fantastic. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, yeah. I, I, I kind of, at least in the studio, especially, I kind of prescribe to the Ross Robinson thing where it's like, it's about 
it's as much like if the band is experiencing it in such a way that that they're having fun, then you can't help but hear that they're having fun and have fun listening to that record. Or like if it's a Slipknot record when Ross Robinson records it or like a Glassjaw album, it's like, well, if you want somebody to feel like they're feeling your pain, you should be in pain or that. So I'm going to throw CDs at you or like, you know, <clears throat> shit like that. I, I don't do that. Yeah, I'm not know. abusive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've seen that work and I've, and I've, I've had those moments but it always comes down to the musician's level of proficiency and not at communicating their emotions, but at being able to being able to play their instrument and then experience those emotions. Cause I've had, I've had so many arguments on that very thing with so many musicians that are, let's call them D level musicians mm-hmm. that, that they think they're being incredibly passionate and they're feeling so great. And, and they, they walk out of, they walk out of their performance and they're like, yeah, man, i like, like I was getting a tear while I was playing that. I felt so into it. Blah, 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 flocketing, blah. And. Yeah, me too, because it was awful. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. You know, (laughs) and at the same time I've had, I've had moments not at the same time, completely different times. (laughs) I've had, I've had moments my first one in the studio here was, was the fall of, no, the spring of 2012, 2011, 2011. And the girl piano ballad, that was, it was it. It was, we had a little bit of sound effects to, to set the mood because there was nothing else going on, just a piano and, and this girl singing. And I, the, the lyrics were, they were hokey. They were, they were trying to be sad, because it, it, it was about, it was about the girl's mother dying of cancer. Um, but taking from a lover's perspective. Right. And I knew what she was trying to get, but it was so hard for me to, to, to like, I'd, I'd listen to these words and be like, God, this is cheese. This is like, this is, I'm going to throw up before, before I ever feel an emotion. And then she just had a take. It was like the seventh take. I think she had a take that, just hit on all of the levels that it needed to hit. There was, it was far from perfect. There were flat notes all over the place. Um, but it was, it was just, it was, it was, it was the thing that by the end, me who didn't like the song at all, I had a tear in my eye and I just like, I let, I let the last chord in the piano ring out. I heard her catch her breath and I turned on the talk back mic and I said, okay, you got to come in and listen to that. Cause that's the one. We didn't touch it. It went to the CD with flat notes, no overdubs, or well, I mean, the vocal was an overdub to the piano, but um, just like two raw performances. It was awesome. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Honestly, like that's always the thing in my mind. That's always what I'm going for. So then, then let me throw this curveball at you. What do you do when the musicians themselves don't have that emotion in them? Just what? don't have it. When like, they don't have it in them, yeah, like it, like there's nothing you can do to draw that out because it's just not there. You just have to make it as tight as possible. At that point, it's That's like right. if basically the way the way that I would approach it from a client perspective is what they're coming f- to you for is to sound professional, and if they're not the professional, then you need to be <laughs> right. So it's like, what, I, if, I, what if their budget doesn't match their expectations? 
then then you have to have the talk where it's like you're <laughs> listen your you're too shitty for me to make you sound good on your budget so something needs to give here either yeah. we let you sound shitty or your budget's got to go up yeah and that's honestly the a, a big thing too for me um as we were kind of talking about like with freelancing and stuff mm. is right now I'm I'm less looking for uh how to describe it. I'm less looking for just anything that I can get. And I'm more looking for like, for example, one of the things that I did a couple of years ago that was, it was pretty popular. All of her friends liked it. A friend of mine, Natasha, we recorded this uh, song called the pancake song. She sent me a chord chart. <laughs> um, it was so dopey and cute. And she sent me a chord chart and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to kick the shit out of this. And I like, I sat her down and I said, okay, I'm going to play an acoustic guitar. We're going to get it tight. Here's the arrangement. Here's how it's going to go. We're going to come up and down. We're going to do this. And then you're going to sing it. And then you're going to watch me while I throw everything else on. We're going to throw in a bunch of harmonies. We're going to do this. And I just produced the fucking hell out of it. Nice. Like there's claps. There's whoa-oh-ohs. There's, you know, the whole thing, <laughs> the whole shebang. And, and it's like that's kind of more what I'm interested in doing is producing more than engineering. Because mm. yep. cause going back to your actual question is is – is it's a little easier when somebody comes to you for producing to be able to say like, Hey, I need you to do this or we can't get what you want out of it. If yeah. you're in a producer chair versus if you're an engineer chair where they're like, uh, didn't you already set up the microphone? Aren't you just hitting record <laughs> sort of a thing? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like not yeah. to, not to like, I literally totally can't belittle engineers. Sometimes it's nice being the guy who just like, just pushing the fucking buttons. Yeah. Do whatever you want. Like that one project that you were in the producer chair and I was just pushing the fucking buttons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was so glad that that was all my job was. Cause, oh man. We had a, um, I worked with this kid. I don't know. This was a handful of years ago. Um, he's really motivated to go have success, but he had zero motivation to put any work into the recording. Mm-hmm. And Those so, ones. yeah. And he, he had a lot of potential. Um, I think I even fucked something up on the, on the master. I didn't, I didn't master it, but on the, 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 uh, the final mixes, there was something fucked up when the, ma when it came back from the mastering. I want to do over on that one, but I'm not going to get it. Um, <laughs> so many of those. Yeah. Anyway. So, so he came in, was that the, we had to hire the piano. Was that the one? Uh, yeah, we had to get um, so we had Marina. Uh, no, not that's not her name. Um, uh, yeah, it didn't matter. The uh, she's been in here many times. We ha we had to hire a piano you. player to play on this one song, and it had to be a pretty thing. So he couldn't fake it, and I couldn't fake it. Um, so we got a U of A student, performance and, major. Yeah, and 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 she had a really nice touch, and he sat on the couch there. And was on his phone the entire time that we're recording. So he was Yoko Ono in his own band. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was. It was. It was weird. Um, it. Yeah. Like it I've was had a lot fun seeing James go. How, what did you think of that take? And he would just be like, uh, "What? What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and he would even. He would even. There would be times we'd be. We'd be tracking guitar. And he played most of the guitar. Um, I might have played a couple of rhythm parts, but he played most of the guitar and he would, he would play it and then put the guitar down. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
pick the guitar up. Go back in there. You've got to replay that. And he's like, what do you mean? I just played it. Like, no, you have to play it better. I'll point out the parts where you didn't play very well and we'll fix those. But you have to play it. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, and the whole thing was like that. I, I, I was really glad that um, I hired the drummer. Um, I hired the rhythm section. And so the rhythm section was nice and tight. Uh, didn't you also have to hire a lead guitarist for some solos? Yeah, it took me a while to convince him. Um, he brought in, he tried to do it himself, the solos, and he's, uh, he's, he's like me. He's just a hack at guitar, you know? Like he, 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 he's a singer and a songwriter. Guitar is kind of an afterthought. You know, that, that's how I am on guitar. I, I know the feel. <laughs> right. And, and, and so... He says as he plays guitar in his <laughs> almost metal band. <laughs> and so <clears throat> he played these solos and I'm like, dude, they're just not good enough. Like what you want, what your expectations are, the amount of money you're putting into this, it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. And so he gets his buddy to come in and play. And his buddy is not any better. Different, totally different, <laughs> but not any better. And, Didn't and both pay of them, attention to any of the notes going on. I know, right? And, and both, of them are, both of them are just like excited at what this guy's doing, right? But again, I have to sit down with the guy and say, listen... Your friend isn't any better. These don't sound like professional solos. They don't sound like someone who knows how to play guitar. Like, and he was giving you the reference of, um, I don't know, Avenged Sevenfold guy. I don't remember his name. Yeah, oh it was God. just weird. Um, but that's a professional player who and, actually puts thought into every note that oh he plays. Man. Exactly, yeah. right? And so we finally, oh, yeah. I finally convince him because he's, he's just trying to save a buck. But instead of saving a buck... He ended up spending like three hundred dollars on on studio time that we didn't have to spend because if he, I had, wa- just, if he had just gone with this, with a professional. Anyway, so we we get this professional in, um, Stan Stan Gallant, um, and he plays. It's sexy. It's creative. It hits on some some like some nice cliches for the because it like it's just like the songs rock. were very cliche. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. don't want to be too outside the box, but right. But, but you know, it, it brought some cool things to the table too. And, and, and the kid ended up loving the guitar part so much that he went and got guitar lessons from the guy <laughs> and started showing up, uh, wherever the guy would play around town. That's awesome. That, that's pretty, that's actually pretty awesome. I know. Right. That's a, that's a good ending to that story. <laughs> well, and, and, and through the whole, through the whole process, I think by the end of it, he had learned what it took to be better than he thought he was. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, seeing, um, cause he, he was, he didn't, he didn't know drums. So he would watch the drummer play who was phenomenal, but then just all he would hear was a beat. It, it took a guitar player to come in who was phenomenal to show him that, oh, I guess I'm not very good. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, yeah. and that's kind of speaks to like, for me, my biggest writing tool is demos. Mm. I, yeah. I, there's, there's not a, there's not a chance in hell that if I'm writing a song, I won't do a demo of it at some point before I ever, before we play it live, before we anything, there's a demo of it. Yep. Because if I can't hear it back and go like, then no, it's fucked. And, and dude, that's why, that's why that's professional, like professional standard routine. You know, uh, every, every, 
I guess I should say specifically in jazz and country and blues and some of the more classic rock. Um, it, it was just standard to go into a small studio like this one. That's not expensive. Lay down a whole bunch of tracks, hear how they sound. Maybe two do two versions. Let's do, let's do one in the key of E and one in the key of F sharp. Uh, for this song to see yeah. which which one the singer's better at, you know, and, yeah. and, and and do that kind of thing, and and then and then you know, send it off $10, to the producer. The yeah, producer $10, then picks later. his ten favorite songs, and, you know, and we're going to do this in the bridge. We're going to do this with this chorus. We're yeah. going to you know, and and then they go strings. Into the, then they go strings. into the, to the air quotes <laughs> real studio, and and do it for real where they spend a month, a month and one hundred twenty five grand and. God, I wish. Uh, That'd be not fucking... anymore. Not anymore, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On, on well, country still. Uh, their budgets are still shrinking. Still yeah. I, 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 think, I think the big thing for me, like speaking of the budgets, is like I, I think it's more of an industry thing that they still do that and not an artist thing. I think mm. ultimately for me, I, I think that a lot of like even the fact that maybe people that don't really care about Justin Bieber are hearing about Justin Bieber because the industry at that level can't let go of that machine, even though that machine is totally done. I'm not sure what you're talking about. So like what 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 machine is this? Because we're, we're we're talking about studio prices, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So so. So like, and, and there's, don't get me wrong. There's something to be said about that studio sound and that studio quality and, you know, so on and so forth. But like, just from, just from the, the opposite end of it, where there's the consumer side of it, basically what you have right now is you have all these streaming services and you have all this YouTube and you have all this, you know, so on and so forth that if you're motivated and you're interested and most people are. There's not really such thing as somebody that you can talk to and be like, I'm not really that into music or, you know, it doesn't happen anymore. People, mm. they have, they have bands. They listen to stuff. I mean, they don't do it on a local level. How old are you? 27. Okay. Uh, I, you, you look younger. And I, I, Thank I, you. I, I apologize about the, about the, uh, prejudgment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that one. <laughs> no, no, that's all good. That's all good. I would have, um, when I saw your... When I saw the video, I, I guessed like 19. When I saw your YouTube picture, I guessed 21. And then when you walked in, I was thinking, oh, okay, maybe he's 24. Huh. Good on you, man. Sweet. Um, so Sweet baby face. So, so, so you, you're saying that it's hard to find people now that, or it's more unlikely to find people that are, that won't say they're into music. Yeah. Right. Like it, like that, that sounds like someone who doesn't remember the way it was before the internet. That's what it, that's what it sounds like. Cause, cause I, I, being the old man in the room, nothing's really changed other than where the music comes from. Which I, I would agree with that. Right. I would agree like, with that. Like there's still, I still feel like there's an equal amount of people who stream music on a streaming service that don't actually care about music the same way that there were, there were people who listened to the radio religiously that don't actually, that didn't actually care about music, which, which I, I will say, I, I agree with that. Okay. I think, I think to elaborate, it's more that, that a lot of those people, 
I guess. Okay, let's let's take a tangent. Let's yeah. let's kind of attack this Part, from another angle because this is a yeah, big like this that. is a big topic. <clears throat> um, is <laughs> is something that I was talking to my girlfriend about the other day. Is there's this thing that I've been noticing in comment sections and when you have discussions with people or like when I send a demo to somebody where because they've seen a couple episodes of X Factor or American Idol, they're critiquing all the stuff that you're not asking them about and they really have no idea. Right. Which is ultimately. I think I think you're right. They don't really care. They don't really know. They haven't really investigated, but they are a little more invested in some way. See, and mm. I feel, and I and I and I want to I want to s- repeat my previous statement is is again that just sounds like like you're only looking at it from the internet on. Because the, the internet's become a, a, a wonderful means yeah. of expressing opinions that don't matter, right? Um, and and I, I feel like those same people obviously wouldn't have that outlet, but would think those same things and say those same things to their friends, maybe in the locker room, maybe uh, around, the, around the water cooler, maybe at the pub, maybe after a show, maybe in, in the previews at the movie theater, um, or maybe just yelling at the radio when a song comes on that they we'll don't fucking like. fucking hate you know? this song. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like th- those same people would have those same thoughts. They just wouldn't have a public place to to post that where thousands of more people could could see yeah. it and 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 get enraged. Which I mean, fair enough. I think I think I might be overstating the amount of more people that that is. It's probably. I think there there's definitely more. It's, people, yeah, yeah, but, there's but the, it's not. But there's, it's, there's, there's more population too. Yeah, but it's not. Right. It's not like oh, the, now everybody. Blah, the, you know, the percentage is probably <laughs> is probably about the same as it was forty years ago, give or take. But yeah, no, I yeah, I think yeah. Principally, what I'm what I'm yeah, I guess what I'm getting at is that. I don't even remember anymore. <laughs> I don't remember what the topic was. Uh, I, I failed to see how this about relates like to studio months. prices. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. that's what we were talking price, about. Right. Back to see, studio prices. This is, this is why he's the, the most amazing co-host. <laughs> that's High the, Yeah. No, that's that's good. That's good. See, see, that's that's clearly he's he's the he's the engineer in the room. I have a tracking sheet. <laughs> According to my tracking sheet, this is the current topic. <laughs> uh, I love it. But uh, oh yeah, with with studio prices, I think I think there's there's this thing where the big four. By big four, you mean the record labels? Yeah, yeah. they. Is don't, it four? I thought it's three. Didn't one of them get bought out? Maybe, maybe. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. We, well, we can <laughs> Essentially, go down it's the big hole. machine. <laughs> yeah, the the military industrial complex of music. Okay. <laughs> that was a. Anyways, um, <laughs> I'm not gonna get stuck on that one. In, in my mind, they're still really stuck on this idea that whether people want to hear it or not, whether um, it deserves this sort of thing, whether it it so on and so forth, they're still, they're still going to pump that machine, mm-hmm. even though there's a better way to get to it. I th- again, the, but I, you're again, looking, you just take a step back. Like I, those labels aren't doing the artistic thing. They are in music to make money. So they're going to pump money. It is very much a product that they're selling. They're well, not, I get that. Whereas everybody else who's not in that, like that, particular area of music 
it's going to be a bit more artistic. They're going to approach it to their niche. They're going to market to their niche. Right. So, you know, it's not necessarily they're forcing it on you. And I mean, to some extent they are because they're spending the marketing to make you aware of that artist. But it's because they want to sell those or stream that amount because they're in the business to make money. And the only people people that feel force-fed that stuff are the people like us who actively seek out stuff that's not top 40 yeah that's not part of the big machine um i mean it's, it's one of the reasons it's one of the reasons i don't listen to terrestrial radio anymore because i no, you know absolutely I, not i haven't I, listened I, to the radio in years i don't have interest in the what, what are there 17 stations in, in edmonton i don't have i don't have interest in at least 13 of them just because they're they're top 40 radio mm-hmm. no absolutely mm-hmm. I, but i think but i think joey's Joy's point is like, it's not about, they wouldn't make that, they wouldn't make that music if there weren't people buying it. And because the masses are dumb, the masses want simple music that is part of the formula that is, that is easy to digest, easy to absorb. And they don't want more complex music. Or interesting music. Or, or interesting music. They, that's what, that's what the big labels want to push more because that's what makes them easy money. Yeah. And, and, and they see the value, like the, they probably have an accountant's spreadsheet that says, if we have this artist work with this producer, which is this much more money, will profit or will, will, will likely profit this much more money on top of that. And so we should spend that much more money with this bigger name to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to make that product, right? Like Max Martin. It's it's all about it's all about maximizing profits for them, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, We're, and in the same vein, like some of those guys do have a market where mm-hmm. it's like they have their people who religiously listen to them, like the super producers. Your yeah. Dr. Luke's and yeah, fuck that guy, Dr. Dre or <laughs> yeah, you know <laughs> all the do- all the Dr. Pepper <laughs> music doctors. I love them. <laughs> um, uh, Timberland, like people here Dude. featuring Timberland, and he's just a producer. <clears throat> yeah, I get. I guess and I'll that sells to, records. I'll listen to anything that Timberland makes. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, no, I, absolutely. I may not like it, but I'll listen to anything he makes. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think how to describe. The the democratization of music that we're currently experiencing by the ability for you guys to set up this or for me to do what I do in my bedroom, so on and so forth. I think ultimately, I think labels stand to make more money supporting that than they do. But and they the, do. That's the thing, because a lot of the engineers that they hire aren't stupid. They're not going into big studios. That's why big studios are closing down. Yeah. There's a lot. There's your Dave Pensados that are working out of their house. Yeah. yeah. And he's and he's working, he's working with Shakira and uh, and Adele it's not to say he does all his work at home, but I know he has a, a home Lady studio Gaga. that oh, he does. Yeah. He's work got a better at. home studio than I do. But he's got a better home well, studio than my professional studio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean he's Dave Pensato. <laughs> I I just yeah I I guess I guess ultimately what I'm trying to say is that I'm really salty that that there can never be another another Beatles unless they have groomed it. And packaged it before it ever gets a chance to be a Beatles. But I think, like Justin, like for for example. But the Beatles weren't the Beatles and they purposely marketed themselves to be what they were. And then they just 
kind of blew up. Well, this, they totally went into the machine. Full no, head. absolutely. But the Beatles were eventually able to become post Sergeant Pepper's Beatles. I don't think that's ever gonna, like, I don't think Justin Bieber's ever going to get a chance to <clears throat> sit down and create something like, like Justin Timberlake, for example, is a really rare thing in that machine where he can sit down and be like, I'm just going to create a really unique record like future sex love sounds. Whereas everybody else is just like, yeah, no, we're making money. Let's, yeah. and, and, and I think, I think, I think that's, but, but, but Justin, uh, Timberlake, he had to go through the sync thing. Oh yeah. To get to that point, to be able to, to be able to do that. Now he happened to do it when he was really young. So good on him. Right. And there's no, there's no telling what Justin Bieber, who is all of 21 and dumb as a sack of hammers could do at 31. Right. Like the, the Beatles happened to do a, a lot of their stuff when they were really young too. Right. Uh, I mean, the, Nickelback, for example, he's a, he's a master at his craft of writing songs that sell. He's not, oh, yeah. a, he's not an artist, but that's not to say that he, that Chad Kruger couldn't become an artist. Um, like there, there's, there's no reason why a lot of these uber successful people couldn't become something amazing other than the fact that they're not currently now. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, 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 and the thing hindsight, is- hindsight after 40 years on this planet, I would absolutely sell out and be a Justin Bieber for that opportunity by the time I'm my age. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I agree. I think. Would you sell out though? Would you? Would I you totally be would, to and I almost did. Well, what what <laughs> is selling out though? Someone comes along and tells you how to dress, how to act, what songs to sing, um, what market you're going to appeal to, uh, what to say and, on TV or on the yeah. radio, and 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 they they dictate your life from the time that you are 19 to the time that you're 35. And then, and right. then at, at 35, you're free and clear of whatever contract, although in, in California, they can only do that for seven years, but, <clears throat> but you're, you're free Unless and clear you're of Unless you're a new contract. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're free and clear to, to move on and do whatever you want after that. And that seven years is in court right now. Because, uh, what's the band? Avenged Sevenfold are currently being sued for that. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, um... There's some clarifications of that seven-year rule uh, that needs to be dealt with. But that, but that was that, that was because that was because they recorded that last album in that seven-year period, but released it after the seven-year period. And uh, so the, yeah, the, the and because companies... uh, their contract also had a amount of records. Yeah, they had like a six-record and they didn't deal or something. fulfill that yet. Yeah, but they had fulfilled the seven years. Uh, it, they're arguing to try and clarify yeah. what happens in that Thirty seconds. Mars game. was fighting that a couple years ago too. Yeah, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think a lot of bands that are more into the alt thing, especially the ones with with more trained people in them, like Avenged Sevenfold is a perfect example of like half that band is like Berkeley grads. <laughs> Right, <laughs> I don't I no think idea. they were when they started. I think I, I know at least I, I know I'm at least the one lead guitar player. I know he's a Berkeley grad. Okay, well he he might be. I yeah. I don't know the band well enough to tell you that. But, but point is, is like like 
you know, the, these are these are guys like fresh face. They come out of school and be like, oh, we got to do all this stuff. And then they get to the end, like six years and they're like, <laughs> everybody else is like, oh, what the fuck? Why did we say yes to that? <laughs> that sort of a thing. Well, when a lot of money is thrown at you, you yeah. say yes to a lot of things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, think, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And I, and I think to answer your question about selling out, I think. And, and and to be fair, I answer this with with a lot of like, of course, this is what I would say that I would do, but who knows what I would actually do in the situation. But I, I feel like. Well, I know exactly what I would do because yeah. I did it. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's like, it's like if somebody said, oh yeah, do you're all this and all that and so on and so forth. It's like, I need a guarantee that it will make me a hit because mm. how many artists are one hit wonders and they totally signed up for that shit. Yeah. But then you or get even no bands hit wonders. like Trapped that have pretty much based their 20 year career off of a hit song that was a cover of a Michael Jackson song. Wasn't that alien ant farm or okay. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever. Trapped also has like that one song. Yeah. They're a one, one hit one eater. And they're still like headlining tours and stuff. Yeah, no, for sure. I I, I only know them through Glenn Fricker. Yeah. Yeah. It's which is amusing. (laughs) <laughs> I long long answer is is it depends. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure because you guys work in a studio. I'm sure you've heard that one so many times. Oh, can we try this? Oh, it depends. You know, depends on this. Depends on that. There's too there's too many variables on that well, question. Well, the the answer to can we try this or can we try that should always be yes. Unless you're going to break something of mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, I was, <laughs> it was a yes yeah. unless it's like an obviously stupid decision. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, so, and, and, and you've seen this, where sometimes the artist needs to make the stupid decision to understand what the right decision is. Yeah. All, yeah. all, well, of, my, all of my students have to go through that. I'm not saying to say no to that. It's more like the obviously stupid in the sense of like, they're going to break something or they're going to hurt themselves. They're going to hurt someone else. Yeah. Yeah. What if I, what if I hung upside down by my toes and sang this song? Would it sound juicier? You know, shit like that. That's the thing Uh, where it's like, no, no, (laughs) no, it wouldn't. It'll sound like you're congested and your head is going to (laughs) explode. Yes. And halfway through it, you're going to probably fall down and hurt yourself. And I'm going to call the ambulance and, (laughs) you know, (laughs) We you know, maybe we shouldn't try that idea. <laughs> we had a gong in here once. Oh, we had a gong awesome. at L and M. My God, I'm glad that thing sold. I want. Or one. I assume it sold. I want one. I want one too, but I would never present it to a child. <laughs> we, I mean, fair enough. We we tried everything. We we recorded it eight different ways and used all eight of them on the track because we, we, we wanted this, we wanted this reverse, this reverse cymbal sound. And the gong was the only thing that, that was giving us the tone we wanted. And so we, we literally tried hitting the gong with everything. Uh, the, the guy punched it, he kicked it. He, he wrapped up heavy things and threw them at them, even bashed his face against it. And we used I them all. I want to be in that room. Gongs <laughs> are loud. <laughs> yeah. When yeah, you well, hit them softly. I was in here. Yeah, so he yeah. probably didn't care. <laughs> yeah, but it was it, it did turn out good. But 
Sometimes it's okay to let them hurt themselves. Depends. Sometimes. I, I guess it depends how much blood is going to be involved. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. It depends. It depends. It depends. Well, that was when I was in college. Try for... to avoid what Mixer Man did and sear a drummer's ears off. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that that was a that was a big thing in college. All 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 the time when students would ask like any of the teachers anything is like oh it depends because there's so many options and there's so many routes and there's so many you know that sort of thing that's the mantra as far as I'm concerned of the audio engineer is well let's try it and we'll see how it goes it depends that's That's just what I hate about working at Long McQuaid and somebody asks me a question about recording and it's usually something vague where it's just like uh, or like my favorite question that I I absolutely hate answering what's the best microphone it Uh, depends (laughs) (laughs) I could tell you what my favorite microphones are (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they're not what you think. Do you no. have eight hours and $200 for consulting? Oh, sometimes yeah, right. I wish I could say that. I do say, I I did. So oh, I, well, I'm so not allowed to say that. You recently, work. I recently told you this. I had a client that refused to pay his full bill. Claimed that I misled him as to what the final price would be, what the final cost would be and, and all this. And, and he sent me a email this afternoon after walking away from his final bill asking me to help him with his CD artwork because he didn't understand what the CD press was talking about. And he came down to, here's the pictures, make it so they'll print my CD. (laughs) So I had to have that conversation with him. Like, dude, you didn't pay me. Now you want me to do this. It's not going to be for free. It's going to be this much. And you didn't. You already didn't want to pay me that. So, do you really expect me to help you with this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was his answer. That was his answer. Was like, okay. Well, it's not going to be for free. If you want this done, you have to come up with that money and the money I'm going to do for this. I, I work in sales, so yeah, I get it. <laughs> how, how many times have I ever heard? Have you ever heard that? Like, yeah, it's it's people. People are especially when it comes to creative things. Like when it's their music, everybody always forgets that there's time involved. Yeah. And my time isn't free. Right. Exactly. And yeah. it's, 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 I think, I think to me what it comes down to always is, is there should be in high school, you should have to, for one of your high school grades, you should have to work in fast food. And for one of them, you should have to work in sales <laughs> so that you never badmouth a fast food or salesperson ever again because it's rude and there's no reason for it. You can't you can't stop rude people from being rude. No. Yeah, I speaking mean, of mm, speaking of time though. I've worked in both industries and I still will get mad at fast food people or salespeople. Yeah. But just, I'm usually justified. See getting I don't think getting mad is the problem. I think it's when somebody's like I'm mad and I like really don't need to be. And also I'm going to be rude to you about how mad I am because I'm having an emotional reaction that you need to now feel bad about. Like, you know what I mean? Like the Uh, guilt trip part of it. That's the part that uh, I'm occasionally justified in that. If I'm waiting 15 minutes for my McDonald's, I'm obviously going to be going like, can I talk to a manager? Because this is, unacceptable your fast food restaurant if i had 15 minutes to get food i just make it myself yeah or go to a better place yeah (laughs) Yeah. okay so i want to drag us back to the point that we have you here 
Because you you started going down there and then we tangent it again. Yeah, we're, um, I'm gonna do that a lot. Oh no, a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. Podcast bingo, free space. <laughs> That's this whole podcast is the free space. Okay, so I want you to dive into how you guys made those two songs because I know I've heard a couple teasers of a little bit of the story. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I'm super excited, super interested. So. Where can you be in? Where I don't do know. Work? That's tough. So, so as I said before, we, we demo everything. I demo everything. I, I can't not. And we were, we were sitting down and we're like, okay, we gotta, we gotta record something at some point and we want to do music videos that, that we want that to be the main output. And obviously, um, if, if we're going to do one song, we may as well do a couple, especially seeing as how I have access to uh, this church that's in town here, Robertson Wesley United. Right. And uh, I was pretty excited about it. I asked my singing coach because he teaches out of the base. He rents a room in the basement there. And I'm like, nice. hey, can you get us in? He's like, as long as it's after hours, I'm like, I'll come in at two in the morning if that's what I have. Like, yeah, I want right. to record in a church. Like, that's what I want. Like, I want to record this. Like, I mean, it's not like satanic metal sort of a thing. It's It's more post hardcore but whatever it's like yeah I want to I want to record in a church I've never done that before and so we set it up we had the two songs I said practice 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 and I got in the church I actually got there about an hour before the drummer did and I measured and measured and measured cuz I was like I need to get this I need to get this in the just right spot to get the just right cuz the the thing about churches that that your listeners might not be aware of is that everybody always assumes that a church is a good sound, but it's an illusion because most churches are just designed to make your voice louder, mm-hmm. not actually sound good. Right. Robertson Wesley is, is not exactly that. It's kind of somewhere in the middle there. But that being said, I was, I, I was really conscious of the fact that if I don't put this in the right spot, I'm going to be listening to something on the left channel and there'll be too much of this and not enough of that frequency and too much symbols on ones. And it's going to fucking wreck my day if I don't, if I don't get this exactly right. So I like walked it out. I measured it all out. I, I put down some tape and I was like, and I told the drummer, I'm like, I need your drum kit to point in this exact direction and we need to bisect it exactly this way and we pointed it all out and then we set it up and we actually um if you've ever been there how they have the upper stairs as well i actually rented a uh it wasn't old but it was based on an older model of a ribbon mic and i set that up there as just a mono which one i don't remember honestly fair enough (laughs) oops (laughs) that's all good (laughs) it's not on my tracking sheet (laughs) but uh I set that up there and, and honestly, like that's, that's the best part of that recording is that mono mic. And, and I just, I just took it through, like, I think I sent it through like three different compressors and mm-hmm. just slammed the shit out of it nice. and just put it under there and it just, it's, it's fucking awesome. Nice. And, uh, we did a couple room mics, did some, your basic close miking kit. I didn't really, well, the drummer doesn't really use toms anyways. I don't really like miking toms a lot. Um, unless there's like a Phil Collins type thing in there, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, you know, some people will argue with me. We have to mic the toms, we, and and one of the th- mm-hmm. like even even one of the things that my drummer asked me. If you're not using the toms, then why are you setting them up? Yeah, I mean, fair <laughs> enough. Extra, extra noise, right? I mean, fair enough. Well, you could get that extra ring out of the tom and stuff like that. Yeah, I I'm I'm not really afraid like. 
I'm not, I'm not really against having how, how to describe when I, when I was in, when we were in college, it was, a, it was a big thing that a lot of teachers would, you know, show you how to take out the hi hats out of your snare mm. and, and, you know, you get good at that and you start to figure out how to like EQ it out properly and that sort of a thing. And then, and then we had this one other teacher in a more advanced class and, and somebody was doing that and he's like, why are you doing that? And they're like, well, cause you're supposed to EQ out the hi hats out of the snare. And he's like, why? It sounds good. And I was like, rules, like my whole mind is like my whole world is just changed. That's what I love about college students when uh, they know, see right? me like <laughs> uh, turn up a fader to the point where the red lights are gone on. And like, why are you doing that? It's distorting. And it sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and, and so so that's kind of part, part of part of my approach is is the whole like you get you get everything and then. You make sure it's a good performance because if it's not a good performance, you can't you can't make it into a good performance, um, as we talked about just before we started here. Yeah. And and then and then you kind of have to start. That's when you get to start to make decisions. I don't really make a lot of decisions other than this is how I'm going to get everything. Um, and then and then you start to make decisions of like, OK, this this is going to start to go over here. I'm going to pan the drums this way. Sometimes I do it LCR. Sometimes I do it a little narrower. Depends on like sometimes. Sometimes what I like to do is I like to have it kind of halfway in the verses and then wider in the choruses. You know, different different stuff like that. Yep. But when you're when you're mixing, that's when you start to make decisions about what you've recorded. Right. After you've gotten the performance, because ultimately, if you don't get a performance, you can't get a this and you can't get a that. Right. Um, but back to the session, we got uh, we got all the drums out of the church. And they honestly, I'm like, that's, that's the best sounding part of it. And then everything else we just kind of recorded in my house. I set up my, uh, I set up my rig in, uh, cause, cause I have my bedroom and then we have the jam space and I just kind of shot some cables under there, put up a mattress Sweet. and just record it. Yeah. It's nice. all pretty basic after that. Um, what, uh, what, what are you using? I use logic pro. Sweet. Um, just, just cause I kind of use it for everything at this point. Um, both of us use drastically different software. It, the software doesn't really matter. It's more of a, like, I always want to know what people are using. Yeah. 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 No, it's kind of, I, I like, I, I, I don't love pro tools and I haven't <laughs> used pro tools in a long time. Um, well, I know that that's kind of the consensus going around these days though. Yeah. Is pro tools isn't that great anymore. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I think, I think the big thing with pro tools is it's like, it's the same thing that that people who are nerdy about that sort of thing complain about iPhones where it's like, yeah, it's a great phone, but it's like three years behind now or whatever in this respect, in that respect. I'm like, ah, you know, there's a certain amount of like, huh, who gives a shit? But there's a certain other amount where it's like, well, no, it's a good thing. That Pro Tools is more like 10 years behind. There you mm-hmm. go. <laughs> so I don't yeah. use Pro Tools anymore. And honestly, like other than other than. Another, I guess another weird thing that I do is I don't, I don't, I don't edit a lot more anymore. I, I do a little, I mean, it depends. Fuck. It depends. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> it, I, I prefer to not if I can get away with it because, right. because, and, and, and 
if I can, if I can not have to edit, first of all, that saves me half a day. Right. Cause I'm lazy. But, but if, if I think going back to one of our earlier conversations about, about, uh, this sort of thing, like, what do you, what do you say to somebody when, when you can't, uh, get what their expectation is? Well, I'll just edit it and it costs you this much to edit. That's, that's really what it comes down to for me Yeah, is you, you get, you get something that they're feeling and they're okay with, and then you edit it to sound tight and professional. Right. But if it sounds tight and professional, unless you want, like the only reason I did some drum edits and some bass edits is because I figured like genre wise, if this is people's first experience of us, metal has that, like, it doesn't sound like metal unless it's, or hardcore and that sort of a thing that we're kind of umbrellaed into. It doesn't sound like metal unless it's super polished. Right. So I was yeah. like, I'm going to, I got to do it a little, <laughs> you know, yeah, that sort of a thing. There's nothing, really, there's nothing really wrong with that from one perspective. Right. I mean, I look at, I look at a lot of the editing that I do or the performance correction. If I had big budgets and lots of time, I would make them play it again and I would make them work. You know, I, the, the number, the number of times I've heard, I've heard some producers say he sent the bass player home to listen to, um, uh, what's the bass player from Led Zeppelin. My mind is John, uh, John Paul Jones, John Paul Jones. The number of times I've heard, I've heard some rock producer send the bass player and the band home to listen to a whole bunch of John Paul Jones come back when you know everything that he's done and then we'll record your parts. If, if I could get away with that, I totally would. Absolutely. I've had, I've had one band in here three times. We've done three records with them and all of them were pretty bad at their instruments at one point. <laughs> some of them got better. Some of them got worse. Some of them got fired, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but if, if we had the budgets, I would have made them get better. No, absolutely. I think that even, even in the band, we, I, I'm pretty adamant that we play to a metronome. Mm. That's a thing that we do because ultimately, unless you're Victor Wooten, you don't feel it. You're not good enough to feel it. Like Victor Wooten, I've seen videos of that guy where he practices to a metronome being purposely like a 16th note or a 32nd off and you can't even tell. Mm. And it's like exactly that. And it's like, okay, he's, he's so tight that he's, he's, he's transcended to where he can, he's, he is feeling it. Right. Right. Whereas like, as we were talking about before, Oh, I'm feeling it. No, you just played shitty. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it felt, you may have like, felt good. That might've felt like the best performance of your life, but it's still a bag of shit. <laughs> right. Oh, listen, uh, that was my life at the other studio. <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. And, and so, and so it's like, it's like a big thing for me is, is if, if we're always playing to the metronome when it comes to now we've recorded the song, I hardly had to edit. All I really did was I just moved the snares to just be on exactly on. And then it's just, you can't even tell. So the music's going to play right away. And we have hardly even dived into this. I would absolutely love to have you back. No, totally. I'm hundred percent down. Cool. Okay. So let's, let's go over the, the quick stuff. Where do people find the, uh, find the band? The band, um, you can check out either Tomb the Musician, Google Tomb and the Dead Language. Um, a, lo- a lot of a lot of my solo stuff is under Tomb or Tomb the Musician. Cool. Uh, and so you'll find the band that way too. And we'll throw that all up in the show notes. And uh, 
We'll Follow see you. our hosts on Twitter at Two Bodies of Water. You got that mic in a comfortable spot yet? I'm still working on it. At Joey R. Engineer. I can't even talk. I don't remember what my point was. This is a boring podcast. Um, I realize at the end of this, we didn't introduce ourselves. On to the internet you go. Go switch off.